You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today at Foothills Church. I'm Trent Stewart. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, as always, I want to say thank you guys for coming to the first service. Um, we actually have some cool stuff coming to the first service's way over the next few weeks. And so uh, we'll let you know what that's about. But uh, we just want to say thanks. And, and uh, we just want you to know that you're part of the growth and the vision here of making disciples by just simply coming to this service uh, because a lot of the newer folks tend to come to the middle or late service. And so uh, we appreciate you guys coming to this one. Keep coming to this one um, and uh, keep enjoying this one. Uh, It opens up a seat for those in the other services. And so we want to thank you. So um, we're in a series uh, in the Gospel of John working through the entire book. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go there. Uh, We're in John chapter 10 today. And as you're turning there, uh, let me give you a quick heads up. Um, Starting next week, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of John, and uh, we're going to dive into a series that we are calling It Matters. And so for for, for three weeks, we're going to dive into the it and uh, talk about uh, the the what and, and the reason behind the vision here at Foothills Church. And so when we actually kind of get down to it, a lot of people say this church is different and, and you kind of sense that it's different and you know it's different, but you don't always know the why uh, behind the what. And so that's what we're going to focus on for the next uh, three weeks after, or beginning next week. And uh, so here, here's the thing about this series, um, for, for three weeks, you don't have to invite any unbelievers to church. Um, and, and so guilt-free for three weeks, you don't have to invite anybody. And so here, here's what, now Jesus might convict you, and that's your deal with him. But, but for, for my purposes, for the next three weeks, this series is specifically for you. And so if you invite an unbeliever, it's going to be wonderful, granted, but uh, they're, they're not going to be interested in the things that I'm talking about um, for, for the next three weeks. But because you love Jesus and you care about making a difference, you are going to greatly enjoy the next three weeks as we talk about some specifics about our church, what makes us tick and why, um, uh, what God is doing and what we believe God is going to do in the future. And so, so here's the other deal. I know you've been on vacation and, and uh, stressful school starting and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, sometimes attendance is a little sporadic during the summer and we get that. But, but here's the deal. School's back in session and It Matters starts next Sunday. So for three weeks, you cannot miss you cannot miss. There, there, there's no good excuse to miss over the next three weeks. And so if you, you look around and your friend's not here, then you've got to go home tonight and you've got to say, Pastor Trent specifically told me to call you and say their name. So yeah, he told me to call you and, and, and tell you, you cannot miss for the next three weeks, all right? So this is a big deal for us. This is a, a really big series. We're excited about it, excited about what God is going to do. So John chapter 10 Um, Let me start this morning by asking you a question. And the question is this, who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? What's the most important voice in your life? And think about it for a second. You know, when a problem is going on in your life, when there's an issue, when you need some advice, uh, things are, are, are going a little haywire. Who do you go to uh, for, for uh, advice or, or to listen to? Who's got that voice in your life? And, and some of you might say, well, my spouse or my friend or, you know, maybe a parent. If you're a student, it's a parent maybe. So, so we've got these people that we're, that we're listening to in our life. And, and so a lot of times what we don't realize this, but, but we recognize the voice of those that we care about. And so if we care about someone, we recognize their voice. Um, for instance, uh, mom's in the room. When your kids were babies, you know, they're, they're babies and they're in the room next door and uh, there might be 20 babies in there and they're all making noises. But in the next room, there's a group of moms. And in that group of however many moms and however many babies, they could be talking and chattering and the noise level is, you know, pretty high. But then the, a baby starts crying and all the moms are like, huh? And they perk their ear up, you know, and they cock their eyebrow kind of sideways and they tune in to the little spider sense and they're listening to the voice of that baby. And it could be 20 babies in there. And to me as a dad, they all sound the same. I can't, I can't tell. They all sound the same. But to that mom, she knows the voice of her child, doesn't she? 
So it always freaks me out. Like, oh, that's my baby. You're like, how do you know that? But we recognize the voice of those that we care about. Um, So maybe you recognize your spouse's voice. You recognize your parent's voice when they call on the phone. And, you know, you know, you have those people in your life that call and say, hey, it's me. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, I know this person. But early on, you know, when you were in a relationship and somebody called, hey, it's me. And you're like, who is this? You know, why? I don't know who this person is yet because I, I, I don't care about them yet. I, I recognize the voice of those that I, that I care about. Um, let's do a little game today. I know it's first service, so we, we decided to do a little game. You guys like games? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a clip of a voice. And when you know the, the answer uh, to who this voice is, it's just going to be audio, no video. So when, when you know the voice, you shout it out, okay? You guys ready back there? All right, go for the first one. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for Say you. It with me. Ask what you can do for your country. Oh, that was weak. Yeah, that was JFK. That was JFK. I heard Jama, so she gets the prize for, for that one. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, we recognize... JFK's voice. Why? Well, we, you know, he was a leader in our, in, our, in our country, very familiar. We've heard him over and over again. So very natural for us to recognize his voice. Without even seeing his face, we could recognize his voice. You guys play the second one. Austria. <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Yeah, we, we thought the shrimp on the barbie would get you, but Jama is, is on point today. So... Good job. So yeah, this is Jim Carrey. Uh, anybody like that movie? Anybody? Like, nobody wants to admit it we're in church. We're trying to be holy. Yeah, it's Jim Carrey. Again, very recognizable. Why? Because we've seen the movie. We've heard his voice. We've seen him in movies over and over again. So we recognize his voice. All right, now here's the last one. Now somebody's got to step up and beat Jama on this one, all right? Here come the volunteers. Wherever you listen throughout the world, it's football time in Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, John Ward. Yeah, my man there in the center. So, so yeah, we recognize his voice. Some of you guys grew up listening to his voice, and you recognize his voice, and maybe some of you are tearing up right now because you miss his voice. And, and so, so, yeah, I mean, we recognize certain voices in our life. We recognize those voices that we care about, and we recognize the voice of those who lead us. And that's the main point that I want to start with today, that we recognize the voice of our leader. Now think about this for a minute. What if you were so in tune with the Holy Spirit, you were so in touch with Jesus You were so close to him in this relationship that you could recognize his voice and and, and that you could sense him speaking to you on a daily basis. And every time you heard his voice, you knew it was him. And every time you felt a kind of a leaning or, or, or pressing in from the spirit, you knew it was from the spirit. What would that look like in your life if if you could recognize, just like you recognize the voice of John Ward so quickly that you could recognize the voice of Jesus in your life. See, I think it's possible. And I think it's offered to us in this relationship with Jesus if we are following his leadership and and understanding who he is in our life. Now, it doesn't happen, happen like a lightning bolt, like, you know, oh God, you want me to go here? You want me to do this? You want me to serve there? But it usually is like in a quiet whisper. And it could be, you know, at night while you're watching Jimmy Fallon, you know, and you're laughing and having a good time. And then all of a sudden you just hear kind of, kind of this pressing kind of feeling in your, in your heart that says, serve me. And you're like, huh? What's that? I'm going to watch this lip sync battle, you know. And the next day, you know, you hear somebody on the radio. And the guy on the radio is like, man, serving in your church is the greatest thing you could ever do. And you're like, huh? And then a couple, you know, a couple of days later, a pastor comes up and God use, speaks to a pastor in your life and says, hey, would you be interested in serving in this area? And you're like, huh? And you go home after a service like this and you think, man, I wish Jesus would just speak to me. And it's just like, hello? He's speaking to you all week. But here's the key. Are you recognizing that it's his voice? 
And I know all of us have done this, you know, we felt like, man, I feel like I need to do something. And, and inside you think, huh, was that me? Or is that God? You know, does God really want me to help this homeless person? Or is that just me? Hmm, let me think about it. Meanwhile, he starves and, you know, and so we see needs all around us. And so, you know, so, sometimes we're, we're playing the is it me, is it God game when, when I think we should just go ahead and say, all right, if it's, if it's, if it's in the Bible and, and, and it's helping and it's ministering, I say go for it, recognizing that, yeah, he's, he's going to be on board with helping the homeless. He's going to be on board with helping children and he's going to be on board with all of that. And, um, and, and so, so, the, so the idea this morning is do we recognize the voice of Jesus. So in John 10, remember, um, I, I know my brother preached last week, heard he did a good job, I haven't heard it yet, but uh, the week before we were in John 9, and so we saw Jesus heal a blind man, and he essentially calls the Pharisees around him spiritually blind. They want to arrest him, they want to kill him. And then in John chapter 10, there's no break here. There's not like, you know, a week that goes by. This is the same conversation. And so the context here is Jesus is speaking uh, to the Pharisees and to those that are around him. The disciples obviously are still there. Um, And so he's specifically speaking to them as well. And so let's dive into this passage. Now on a side note, John chapter 10 is actually a fulfillment of a prophecy uh, that, that we see in Ezekiel chapter 34. So I don't have time to get into that, but go home today, read that this week, and then you can kind of compare uh, the, the, the shepherds that, that God was speaking to in Ezekiel and how Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the good shepherd. So let's start in verse one. Keep your Bibles open. We're gonna go through this chapter uh, at little chunks here, little chunks there. He says this, this is Jesus speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. It's just pause there. So, so Jesus is using a, what would have been a very applicable illustration in their life, one of shepherding sheep. Everybody had sheep back then, and, and uh, I know for us, we're not like sheep herders today, and we don't, we don't see that often, um, but, but in this day and time, everyone had sheep, and so what you've got to know about sheep are that sheep are dumb, you know, and so it's interesting that he uses this illustration, and, and don't take offense to that, uh, that he's calling a sheep today, but, but sheep are dumb. I mean, here's the reality. You don't see sheep running around in the wild today, do you? Having a good time, living it up out in the woods, you know. They don't do that because they're dumb. They just can't. And, and so they get eaten. And, 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 and so just like, just, just like a, a real sheep, we're, we're, we're pretty dumb without the leadership and direction of God in our life. And uh, the, the, there's some devastating things that happen to us as human beings if we are not following a good shepherd in our life. And so uh, here's an example of how dumb sheep are. Um, back in 2005 in Turkey, there was, a, there, there was a whole huge herd of sheep and these Turkish uh, shepherds took a little break to have breakfast. Meanwhile, the, one of the sheep just decided to run off the edge of a cliff and plummet several hundred feet to its death. And because sheep are natural followers and dumb, um, 1,500 other sheep followed that sheep, dumb sheep, to, and, and, and jumped off the cliff. Now, what's funny about the story is that the first 450 sheep died on the rocks, and the next 1,050, if I'm doing math right, that fall don't die because they land on nice, cushiony, dead sheep. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to laugh at that, but it was a big you know, financial hit for, for these shepherds back then. Um, but, but it's just a reality that, that sheep are are dumb and they're natural followers. And so, so we wanna, we wanna see this in light of, of what a first century Jew would have seen this and, and, and how they would have experienced this. But um, what, a, 
What a shepherd would do, now in the community, everyone would have sheep and nobody, most people didn't have enough land to like, you know, have their own little sheep pen and and, and take care of them. So in each little individual village or community, what you would do at the end of the day is that you would pay um, someone a night watch essentially to watch your sheep. And so everyone in the community would bring their sheep, however many they had, and put them in one big sheep pen and they would pay that guy to watch the sheep Uh, throughout the night. And so in the morning, you know, when you woke up, you would go into the sheep pen and and, um, the the gatekeeper, he would open up the gate for you. You would walk in and you would call your sheep. And so, um, you know, a lot of of shepherds would name their sheep. And so I don't know what you're naming your sheep, but, you know, come here, Fluffy, come here. You know, and so just like you would call your pet, you know, the shepherd would call his sheep and they would recognize the voice of their shepherd. And so then they would follow the shepherd out. So that would have been a very familiar um, uh, understanding, very familiar illustration for Jesus to tap into at this time. And, and so he uses this terminology. He says, to him, the gatekeeper opens. And so the gatekeeper in the story is, is God the Father. And so Jesus is gonna call himself the door. He's gonna call himself the good shepherd. And so as, as a sheep, as, as someone that follows Jesus, he leads us through the door into the sheep pen for, his, for provision, for protection, for guidance. And then he comes and he leads us out of the sheep pen to follow him into greener pastures, into more provision, into what we're going to see in just a moment, the abundant Life. Now, in our day and time, when we see sheep and all these kinds of things, if you've seen the movie Pig, you know that like dogs uh, are driving sheep now. And so dogs are herding and, and doing that. And so shepherds are more or less driving the herd. Not so in the day and time of Jesus. In the day and time of Jesus, a shepherd would be out in front of the sheep leading the flock and the flock would follow their shepherd. So keep that in mind as we continue to see all of this uh, imagery come to life, hopefully, uh, today. A shepherd today drives the herd behind them, but Jesus leads. He's out in front. He's the voice out in front calling them to follow him. So again, let's keep this in mind. Who are you listening to today? Do you recognize, do you hear his voice? Are you following the call of the good shepherd in your life. A few things we wanna point out really quickly here is in verse two, it, 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 it tells us, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, this is three, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. So, so here we're seeing that the good shepherd knows the name of each individual sheep. So, so we see here that the shepherd knows you, knows me individually. He knows the, the concerns that are on your heart this morning. He knows the anxiety that you're experiencing today. He knows what your next step is. He knows what you should be doing and you're praying about it and you're thinking about it and you're worrying about it. He knows exactly what that next step ought to be. He knows everything about you today. He knows your name, he knows your desires, he knows what sin you're involved in, he knows you personally. He knows us by name. And notice that when the shepherd calls, his people respond. If you're taking notes, I'd write that down. When Jesus calls, his people respond because they hear his voice again in verse three and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So there's not a question here. Like when Jesus calls his sheep, it's not a, I wonder if. I wonder if they're gonna follow. I wonder if they're gonna obey. Let's see what happens next. No, when you are a sheep of Jesus Christ, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, You are following Jesus. There's no question about that. When he calls you, you're following. And that moment of salvation, it was Jesus calling to you and you responded. And those that respond give evidence to the fact that they are part of the called elect followers of Jesus. So when he calls, we 
respond. And as a believer, we continue to respond. We continue to obey. We continue to follow. When Jesus calls his people, respond. Let's continue to look. Let's hop down to verse seven. So Jesus again said to them, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Let's just pause there. So Jesus is the door. When we first started, there's seven I am statements through the book of John. When we first started this series, we had all those statements as kind of the, the, the backdrop here behind me. And, and this is one of those statements. He says two things in this passage. I am the good shepherd and I am the door. Meaning that if you want salvation, <clears throat> if you want forgiveness, there's one way that you enter into that relationship with God. And it's through the door of Jesus Christ. It is through him and only him that we receive Christ into our lives. There is no other way. There are not other religions that are healthy and spiritually good for people. You know, I'm sorry to burst your inclusive bubble this morning, but, but the truth of the matter is that salvation is found only in the name of Jesus Christ. And so he is the door here. He is the one that, that is saying, come to me. He's the one that's opening the door for salvation. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find good pasture. Now verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So if you're taking notes, when Jesus calls his people respond, and when we respond, here's the first benefit. I don't have time to talk about all the benefits, but here's one of the first benefits that we get as a follower of Jesus. Verse 10, abundant life. He promises, he promises us to give us abundant life. Now, abundant life, I mean, that to me resonates in, in, in the core of, of, of who I am because the human heart wants safety. We want safety. We want peace, you know? But at the end of the day, we want more than just mere safety. We want more than, than just surviving. We wanna thrive. We want more than just to survive. We, we want more than just to be safe. The, the human heart longs for infinitely more. We want to enjoy more. We want abundance in our life. We want life. But we want even more than mere life. We want the abundant life, overflowing life, deep life. We don't just want to survive. We want to thrive. And at every level of our human being, we were made for life. And that's why people buy really nice things and travel and do drugs and jump out of airplanes because we're dying to experience Life. We want more of life. And in those moments of jumping out of an airplane, never done it. Imagine it's pretty exciting. In those moments of, of buying stuff, traveling and experiencing things, woo, it's exciting. But then Saturday comes and you gotta pack up the car and drive home. <laughs> and that's life. Because that experience only lasts for a moment. As great as our vacation was last week, Man, we packed up a sandy van and we had to truck it nine hours with four kids and the DVD player was broke. <laughs> Jesus, I was praying for a miracle and he did not answer. And so, <clears throat> little, little tidbit here, you can't put two DVDs in a DVD player, that breaks it. Anyway, <clears throat> no matter what you're trying to experience in life, no matter what enjoyment you're trying to squeeze out of life, you may find a little bit of happiness here, a little bit of enjoyment there. But folks, the stream will run empty very quickly. Whether it's in a relationship with your, with your spouse, you will find out at some point in your marriage that he or she is not going to meet all of your needs and it's not until you realize that he or she will never be able to meet your needs that you'll ever be able to enjoy him. You'll ever be able to enjoy her. And so in our life, we have and see and we've experienced time after time this, this 
prone, this, this, this leaning to find life in other areas, even as a believer, because we're prone to wonder. <laughs> That's why I asked James to sing that song earlier. Prone to wonder. You know, prone to leave the God I love. Every time I sing that song, that verse specifically just pounds out of my chest because I find myself being, being prone to veering off from his direction, from, from, from veering away from his, his presence, from veering away from, from his, his goodness and his protection and his provision. Oh, I think I can, I think I can, I think this is gonna be fun. I think I'm gonna do this and I think this is gonna be exciting and I, got, I think I can handle it from here and, 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 and prone to wonder, God, I feel it. So when his sheep respond, we receive the abundant life. But what is the abundant life? I mean, man, if you watch TBN, and I hope you don't, I'm just gonna say it. But if you do, you think the abundant life is like God's gonna make you rich. Everything is about getting more stuff and God wants to bless you and give you more stuff. And all right, we, we know God's gonna bless us, but that cannot be our focus. You know, financial blessing ought not be our focus. He's gonna reward us financially as we are faithful to him. I get that. I preach that, I teach that, I've experienced that. But at the end of the day, abundant life is more than just accumulating stuff. The abundant life is, is more than just God protecting us and keeping us safe. The abundant life is, is what God gives to us, what Jesus gives to us, and, and we experience in him and through him, and that is when we are on mission with him. So the abundant life is experienced when I am serving him. I'm on mission with him, and, and it's through my, my actual service, it's through my, my ministry that sometimes I am not safe and sometimes I do not have money to do the things that I wanna do. But I still experience abundance, I still experience joy because my joy is found in him. It's not found in stuff, it's not found in safety. My abundant life is found in, in being obedient and, and, and following the mission of God in my life. And so again, I say, whose voice are you listening to? Because if you are not listening to your Savior's voice today, you're listening to the enemy's voice. You're listening to the voice of yourself. And we know where that gets us. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Read Psalm 23 today, this week. I don't have time to get into it, but we see what the good shepherd provides for us in that short psalm. He provides our necessities. The good shepherd leads us to good pasture. He gives us rest. He confidently leads. He renews and restores. He guides and directs. He protects us from harm. He feeds us. He anoints us. He corrects. He comforts, he loves unconditionally, and he provides permanent shelter. I mean, I mean, why would we ever want to leave this shepherd? Why would we ever want to walk out of his presence? And, 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 and here, here, here's a way to think about it. When we realize who Jesus is as our good shepherd and, and all the things that he's given to us in this abundant life, then, then the pressure is off. The anxiety is, is gone because I'm not worried about how I'm going to pay this or take care of this. I'm not worried how I'm going to make the grade or how, how, what my next step in ministry or my next step. You know, I'm not worried about how God is going to do this. Why? Because I trust that he's taking care of me. Think about it like this. Um, we were at the beach last week and, and we went to a beach the first day and it was just slammed packed. There were people everywhere. And so um, I went with my wife's family, which Greg is my brother-in-law, if you didn't know that, and he's got two kids. He's got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and then my four kids. And so when we were sitting on the beach with six kids, you know, the pressure is on when the beach is crowded because you're watching the kids. You don't want them to get lost. You don't want them to run around. And even though, you know, I know parents are watching, I'm, I'm watching everybody, you know, and so I can't relax because I'm watching, you know. And, and, and it was so crowded that a kid could, could have easily just gotten lost, you know, 15 you know, steps away, and so we're watching, and even one day, this little girl came up to Greg just crying, and, and Grace crying because she had lost her mom, so they had to take her lifeguard, blah, blah, blah. The pressure is on. Uh, the next day, we went on down the beach where there was nobody, 
And so now, as, as we are sitting on the beach, now dad can take a nap. He can relax because the pressure is off, you know, because I can see and I can experience and, and nobody's going to run away. Nobody's going to get lost. And, and so this is, this is kind of what it feels like when you trust in Jesus as your shepherd. Like you, you realize, okay, the pressure is off of me. Yeah, I know I'm the dad and I'm, I'm going to provide financially. I'm providing, you know, to leadership to my family and my kids. But, but ultimately, these kids are not my kids. Ultimately, my kids belong to Jesus. And he's given them to me to lead and to guide during this season of, of, of life. But, but when I realize this, and when I realize that he's the one that's taken care of, then the pressure is off. I can, I can begin to breathe a little bit here. Because I know that he's in control. I know that he's going to provide. But unfortunately, some of us are listening to the wrong voice. You recognize the voice that leads you, but you're listening to the voice of the enemy. And the enemy here in in verse 10 comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's a few things I think that means. Let me unpack it. First of all, the enemy wants to steal your joy. So if you are unhappy today in your relationship with Christ, if you are unhappy in your ministry, if you are not finding joy in your marriage, if you're not finding joy as a parent, if you're not finding joy in living your life for Jesus Christ, the enemy is winning. He's stolen your joy. That's what he came to do. He came to to steal from you and, and, and joy is part of that. And unfortunately, too many Christians are experiencing that. What happens when somebody steals something from you? If you don't shoot them, what you eventually want to do is you want to get it back, right? You want it back. And here's the thing. When the enemy steals your joy, the promise of the good shepherd is that he can give that back to you. He wants to give that joy back to you today. You can experience that joy when you experience the abundant life, which is only found in him. The enemy, secondly, wants to kill your relationships, If you're married today, he wants to kill your marriage. Hey, if you're single today, the enemy wants to kill your future marriage. So how can he do that? Well, if you're addicted to pornography today, guess what? As a a single person, he is destroying your future marriage. If you're sexually active today and you're not married, you want to be married one day, he's destroying your future marriage. You're going to take all that baggage in with you. Here's the deal. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your relationships, your relationships with your parents, relationship with your kids. He wants to destroy relationships between siblings. He wants to destroy relationships with your spouse. And he stole, for some of you, he stole the, the, the passion out of your marriage. He, he stole this, the, the compassion to want to be kind to your spouse. You know, that, that's, an, that's a small thing but what a big thing that is, that, that the enemy has stolen my desire to be kind to my spouse. That can wreck your marriage. That one small, it seems small, doesn't it? I'm just not too kind. I'm not, I'm not cheating on her, you know. I didn't have an affair or anything. I'm just not being really kind to her. <laughs> Destroying your marriage because he's stealing, destroying and breaking up killing your relationships you know what jesus does to dead things when he kills when the enemy kills things in our life um, jesus raises them to to life jesus resurrects marriages on a weekly basis thirdly the enemy wants to destroy your influence the enemy is putting many christians to sleep today the enemy is destroyed and is destroying your life and your influence because of sin. He's distracting you. See, the enemy has destroyed your influence because you're not investing your time in the right places. If the enemy can keep you busy and away from ministry, he wins and you lose influence in your life. But Jesus comes that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Let's continue, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd, this is, this is huge. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So if the first benefit is the abundant life, the second benefit here is forgiveness forever. So he's laying down his life for us. Why is he laying down his life for us? So that you and I can be forgiven, so that we can enjoy salvation. An important part of the gospel here is that he lays down his life on his own. Nobody's forcing him to lay this down. No, you know, God is not forcing him to do this. Pilate is not forcing him. You know, all of these people around there are saying crucify him. Yes, on the outside looks like it's their fault. But at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, I give my life up on my own. He lays down his life for his sheep and, and by their offering us forgiveness forever. Let's continue here. Let's look at 16. He says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So hop back up to 16 here. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I've got to bring them in and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. If you're taking notes today, when Jesus saves, wandering sheep are added. Because as we know, sheep are prone to wander. They're prone to walk up to the edge of a cliff and decide to jump off. (laughs) And then 1,500 are prone to follow that idiot. You see, we're prone to wonder, and what Jesus says here is that there are other sheep that are not of this fold, and he's specifically talking about the Gentiles. He's got all these Pharisees there, all these Jewish people here. He says, there are others out there that are not of this family yet, but I've got to go to them. They're wondering. I'm going to bring them in, and when I call them, they're going to hear my voice because they're going to recognize their shepherd. They're going to receive eternal life, and then there's going to be one fold, one sheep, pen, one, one flock, and so as he says this, what we're, what we're hearing him say is that Jesus is, is seeking those who are lost. We see this all over the New Testament. This is why he came, to seek and to save that which was lost. And so Jesus is, is, is looking for the wanderers. Jesus is looking for those of you today who have not only been prone to wonder, but you are wondering because you're seeking satisfaction in everything else life has to offer except through Jesus. And when Jesus saves wandering sheep are added. I think one of the reasons why we started this church is because of this simple fact. Because there were people in this city that were wandering sheep. And God called us to start this church for, for you. So that you would be added to this flock and added ultimately to the kingdom of of God, and, and, and that's what wakes us up every day here. We've got several stories of life change, but one story um, we just recently captured that I wanted to share today of a young man who, um, his, his dad was actually a pastor, um, was saved as a teenager, and um, was prone to wonder. Go ahead and play that. My wife and I moved to Atlanta for me to go to culinary school to pursue my dream of becoming a chef. I started using drugs in college a little bit here and there. Once I got the sous chef job in Atlanta is when it really started becoming an addiction. Yeah, I was definitely a slave to the drugs. You'd think that having a child would change things. We had a beautiful baby boy named Boone. It was a great day, I was very happy, but the next day, same thing, back on, just doing what I do. Uh, was not there at all during the pregnancy. Wasn't there for the first year of his life. Because the drugs are more important than my family. Well, I've ended up finding out 
I got, uh, got kicked out of the house. So that was rock bottom. So I ended up going home, um, living with my parents. They had picked out a place for me called Home of Grace. It is a, it was a Christian rehab center. Worship was awesome. Uh, prodigal son, and definitely one I was very familiar with, but at that point needed to hear it and heard it like I've never heard it before. But I remember sitting there, just asking God for forgiveness. Definitely knew that I was forgiven at that point, but also knew that it was possible that she may not, and possible may have lost my family. Divorce was on the table. She'd gotten a lawyer. She'd had enough. I bet they there so much. I was ready to become a better man. I was ready to become a better husband, a better father. I remember the first time I was gonna see her and she was gonna let me see my son for the first time. And how nervous I was, didn't know if he was gonna remember me. He had a big old winter coat on and toboggan. She put him down. And he walked over to me and let me pick him up. I asked her for forgiveness. She did. Um, she forgave me. So, I don't know. That was an amazing day. Present day. I, um, I am almost two years uh, clean. I reproposed to Stacy on Christmas Eve. We will renew our vows this Sunday, and this will be the first time in almost two years that she's worn rings. And with that, she is also pregnant. We are having another child, and I get a redo. I get to be there. I have a chance to do what I did not do when she was pregnant the first time. So yeah, it's, and that's God at not even his finest. Jesus says that the thief comes to kill and destroy. And uh, for me, that is what drugs did to me. And he also says that he is here to give me life more abundantly. And that is exactly what he has given me. still unfolding obviously of of how you know as a follower of Jesus um, still struggling with sin still still pursuing him and and through our mistakes through our our mess ups th this is what Jesus does he takes broken down marriages he takes broken down people and he resurrects them he gives them life those things that have been killed, he breathes life back into them. Those things that have been stolen are given back. But it all depends on the voice that you're listening to today. And like Philip, some of you are running from his voice. Some of you are, are, are ignoring his voice or some of you aren't even interested in his voice. And so the challenge for you today is, is to really wrestle with this question. Am I listening and recognizing the voice of my shepherd? In verse 28, Jesus says that I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. This ticked off the Pharisees as you can imagine claiming to be God once again. I and the Father are one. See, see, only Jesus has the power to do this. 
Only Jesus has the authority to give us life. He has, he has the authority to forgive. He has the authority to resurrect. He has the authority to share unconditional love to you today. I know a lot of people that struggle with their salvation. They, sometimes they think they may lose it, right? They think there's one or two sins that if they commit that, then, then they're out. There's only one sin that can keep you out of heaven. And that is rejecting the Holy Spirit in your life. Rejecting Jesus, not receiving him into your life. And so when we see this, we see Jesus very specifically saying that the Father has given these sheep to him. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of his hand. No one, he says, is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You see, the promise of Jesus is that he would keep us, not that we would keep him. And that's important because as long as you think that it's your job to keep Jesus, the pressure is on you. When the pressure is on you, you'll snap. If the pressure was on me to stay saved, I'm just telling you, I would fail. But praise God, my salvation isn't established through my work. It's not established or kept or held through my keeping power, you know? Like holding on to a pull-up bar. If I just hold on long enough, man, I'm gonna, but if I let go, then I'm, no. It's Jesus that saves us, it's Jesus that keeps us. No one's gonna snatch him, you, out of the Father's hand. So, so here's how we break this down. So if you have real faith, you're never gonna lose that. It's called perseverance of the saints. It's a theological term that we believe here at FC. That if a person is genuinely saved, he or she can never lose that salvation. And if you see somebody that was in church for a while and claimed to be a Christian and now they're denying Jesus or whatever, and you're saying, see that person, he was saved, but then he lost his salvation. What you're seeing there, scripture speaks directly to this person, is that he was never one of us. So them walking away from Jesus or walking away from church or walking away from whatever it looks like is simply them showing that they never really had it to begin with. And so again, we, we rest in the goodness and grace and love of Jesus, the good shepherd. Like I don't have to work to get my salvation and I don't have to work to keep it. I get to enjoy the abundant life as I follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in my life. And the question is, are you doing that today? <clears throat> in the beginning of the summer, we were out of town and um, we were in a busy shopping area. Um, we had all of our kids and um, we had just had ice cream. And so my youngest, Blakely, she's um, five. She was all hopped up on sugar and really, really excited. And so she's just, she's so much fun. And, and so we, we went into the, uh, to, to the area, had our deal, had our ice cream. So we're going out into a busy parking lot area. People <clears throat> driving, flying by, all kinds of people crowded. And so, you know, I thought I'm gonna grab Blakely by the hand as we go to the car because, you know, she's jumping all over the place. And, and so when I grabbed her hand, she didn't want me to grab her ha hand. <clears throat> she, she was like, you know, I can do this, Dad. You know, touch me. She was trying to pull her hand back. But because of the cars, because of the traffic and everything, I just squeezed tighter. You know, it's like, you are not letting go. And, and so she kind of did the tug of war thing for a minute. Right when we were walking past a, a hedge of bushes in, in, into another area of the parking lot, and this motorcycle, like one of those, you know, crash rocket deals, like, just like zipped right in front of us as she was pulling my arm. So it was almost like she was pulling and then, and then what'd she do? She grew, drew closer to dad. She, she kind of cuddled up to me and, and stopped pulling and, and, and kind of caressed and kind of came up to the provision and protection of dad. You know, I liken that to our salvation as we wrap up today that because we are prone to wonder, there are moments in life where we might pull away from the hand of Jesus. And we, we, might, we might try to go our way and our direction and, and we might be in sin, but as a true believer in Jesus, he never lets go of our hand. And I'm just telling you, 
there's gonna be a moment in your life if you find yourself in, in, in that, this person's shoes today. Somebody gets sick, somebody passes away, somebody loses a job, there's money issues, there's problems, there's something, there's a, there's a crotch rocket that flies in front of you, so to speak, in your life. And it's in those moments when your marriage is almost dissolving, you know, and like Philip, divorce papers are out, you know, you're addicted to whatever, and you think all hope is lost. And then you hear the voice of Jesus once again, and you follow him, and you, you, you get, get real close back up to him, and, and stop pulling away, and start following his leadership. And slowly but surely, the resurrections in your life begin to take place, and those things that were stolen from you are restored to you. Those things that are dead come back to life. But I, I'm telling you, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you are here today, you've never received Jesus, or, or maybe you're, you're wondering and you want to come back to Jesus, I just want to encourage you to pray right now. Would you bow your heads? As we do this, as always, the prayer and care room is right outside these, the back doors to your left. If there are things you want people to pray with you about, if you want to receive Jesus, I encourage you to go there immediately following this, this service. I've asked the band to come and sing for us. Incredible song about Jesus being our great and good shepherd. We're gonna sit and enjoy and praise him this morning. But, but some of you are wondering, and I just wonder if there's a prayer that you need to give to Jesus this morning that would say, Jesus, I wanna come back. I wanna hear your voice. Maybe there's some forgiveness that you need to seek this morning. Ask him for forgiveness today. What is that? Would you just tell him right now? Are there areas of your life you're wondering? It's time to come back. It's time to enjoy the love and protection of Jesus, your good shepherd. Lord Jesus, in this room, there are many <clears throat> struggling, many hurting. And God, we just pray that you would hear their prayer, restore to them the joy of their salvation, renew a steadfast spirit within them. Lord, that they would honor you and seek you and praise you. Stop trying to find satisfaction in the world and start finding joy in who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.